I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight like me. (laughs) <laughs> Possibly oh, Come on Jordan, go for it lad, enjoy yourself hey! Jeez, Come on, Jeez. So a season to largely forget An ending to definitely remember Liverpool's heroic push in the last 10 games has them back at Europe's top table. Uh, James Pearce, Kiever O'Neill, Simon Hughes are on today's Red Agenda with myself, Steve Hothersall. So what next for this Liverpool squad? We'll talk that. And also James has had an exclusive chat with Trent. Now, listeners to the Red Agenda can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a 40% discount. Just go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod to sign up. So how big an achievement was this from the whole squad, given the position that Liverpool were in? James? A huge achievement, yeah. I think some people who haven't paid close enough attention this season may raise an eyebrow at Klopp describing it as up there with his greatest achievements in management. But I think any Liverpool fan who knows exactly what the club has had to contend with over the last nine months would agree with him. Because, you know, even when you think back to what an absolute you know, mess Liverpool looked after they lost at home to a doomed Fulham team in early March. And I think they were eighth at the time, 10 points behind Leicester. You know, if, if you'd said then that Liverpool would finish third, you know, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have got some very strange looks. So, um, yeah, I think Klopp deserves a huge amount of credit because, you know, people were asking questions and rightly so, because his, his reign had gone off, you know, off, off the rails at one point, but it's been a remarkable salvage act to take, what is it, 26 points out the last 30 on offer. Yeah, when you think of the injuries, you know, especially it, it, the defensive issues, the 20 different centre-back combinations, the personal tragedy suffered by Klopp and, and Alisson, you know, having to play the vast majority of the season without fans, you know, the crisis of confidence that key players have suffered along the way as well. To dig out what they have done in the last couple of months is is absolutely huge. And, you know, quite rightly, the mood around Anfield was absolutely buoyant on Sunday afternoon because the 10,000 there present wanted to show their appreciation for what this manager and the staff and the, and the players have done in very difficult circumstances. I think you've got to lay a large amount of the blame for the chaos with Simon Hughes, who predicted all this before anyone was even talking about um, Liverpool not making the Champions League. But look, here we are in third, Simon, completely confounded uh, everything that you <laughs> were saying. I think I think Jürgen actually pinned Simon's quote on the dressing room wall. And that was that was the turning point. <laughs> oh, Si, how are we feeling now about it? it third's well above expectations, well, your expectations. For, for listeners who didn't tune into the original broadcast when I made that comment, I think it was I think it was made, wasn't it? Just just around the way top of the league at the time, and the form was wobbling. The draw, I think there was a couple of draws after Christmas, and I did make the comment that Liverpool have to be really careful here because the gap between themselves at the top of the table and fifth place was was increasingly becoming narrower and narrower, and. Um, 
yeah, obviously I got sort of laughed out of town when that happens. Uh, I didn't say that they wouldn't do it, of course, which is I think what James is trying to imply here, being quite mischievous. But when you think sort of a month ago, I mean, I, I felt that after the Newcastle game that it was done, to be honest, I, I couldn't see them going on winning the, the, the number of games that they, they have done since that Newcastle game. Well, win all the games since the Newcastle game, in fact. So I think it, it does show you that there's... there's uh, a, a memory bank within that 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 team that you know there there are reserves there to, to draw upon when the pressure is really on and I think they they've handled it spectacularly well over the last month. I mean, seasons sometimes they tend to be remembered for how how they finish rather than how all the problems that they've entailed during the course of the season. And given Liverpool finished so strongly, you know, I think people will come out of the season feeling pretty positive about it, really. It's, it's gone from being one where I think people would uh, quite rightly look back at it with with a gasp. But it's, um, it's turned out really, really well. And you just look at Leicester. I mean, I always thought Leicester might give Liverpool a chance. And to lose, I think, five of the last eight games, you know, that you can't do that if you're aspiring to get into the Champions League. And I think they're probably getting a bit too much sympathy at the moment, Leicester, because they, they, because they won the, the FA Cup. You know, which was a, a big achievement, but to lose five of the last eight games when you're in pole position. I mean, the, James mentioned there that Liverpool were 10 points behind. They were 13 points with a game in hand at one stage, Liverpool. So to draw them in and, and play as convincingly as they have as well. I, I would say that there's obviously been bumps in certain games, but, you know, I, I do feel that they've, they've won the bulk of those games relatively comfortably. I know that they, they haven't always performed as well as we judge Liverpool based on the last couple of seasons, but they've been worthy winners in, in most of those games. So, yeah, to not qualify for the Champions League, having won the league in the middle of pandemic and all the financial implications that would have had would have been pretty, pretty difficult to deal with for Liverpool over the course of the summer. So it keeps, it basically means that, that next season, you know, they start afresh. You would expect Liverpool to be, you know, firing again, I, I would say. I think you get fans back in the stadium. You know, I think Liverpool are going to have a really good chance next season. It could all be different. Kiva, I started off by saying a season to forget, but as Simon just pointed out there, I mean, Liverpool topped by Christmas. And then if we look at the end of season form, obviously the last 10 games, absolutely miraculous. So actually, for, for what, 70% of the season, you're talking champions form, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And getting to the top of Christmas and going into the new year, it kind of put us all, gave us all a little bit of false hope that they were going to just do something which would have been, I think, the biggest achievement of all is reclaim the title without a player of Virgil van Dijk's stature there. Um, it sort of crumbled, didn't it? And I think we're Liverpool eighth in, in March, which is now, considering they finished third, is just, it's miraculous, nothing short, to be honest. Like when Simon did mention it on that podcast, I remember thinking, no, we're not going to be in a dogfight for top four like last season we finished we were qualified for the Champions League when we were still playing the Champions League you know it was like all done and dusted before that um Atletico Madrid game now Liverpool definitely be all right and then like as the weeks went on and we were all kind of like look at Simon's uh you know like Mystic Meg almost and then you know for Liverpool to have quite easily yesterday could have finished fifth and we could be talking about a completely different sort of outlook now could be Europa League which you know you know for a fact there would have been some kind of profile on Twitter yesterday changing the name to Europa League and doing welcome Liverpool to the Europa League we don't have to you know you don't have to deal with that now because 
you know, not only have they finished in the top four, they finished third, which I think is completely just, I don't know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? To think, you know, as James sort of listed through everything that's gone on this season, there was a time when none of us expected, but there was always that little glimmer of hope that it would happen. Um, and there are as well, like, you know, you said 70% of the season was, was good form and there, there's so much great things to take from it. I think Curtis Jones, this was very much his breakthrough season, wasn't it? Players like Diogo Jossard having the impact he did, his injury was was massive for Liverpool as well. And then obviously, um, I think in recent weeks, it's obviously been the form of Thiago has just, I mean, blown us all away, hasn't it? Um, he's, he's finally sort of acclimatised to the Premier League and it feels like if he takes this, this form for the past few weeks into next season, then Liverpool aren't going to be in a, a dogfight for the Champions League. They're definitely going to be battling it out with Man City for, for the title. James, so many things that you could pick out the last uh, game of the season. The fans being back was absolutely brilliant. It was just lovely to experience that. There was the farewell for, for Gini Wijnaldum and the kit man, Graham Carter. Um, but I think if you, if you looked on the pitch and saw the two battered and bruised centre-halves and Nat Phillips and Reese Williams... That pretty much summed up the season, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, the fact that you know both of them took a bit of a battering, didn't they, against against Crystal Palace? But um, you know, testament to to what they've done for this team that they you know they they battled on right right through to the end. And you know, Klopp revealed afterwards actually that Reese Williams hadn't trained for for three days since the the win at Burnley in midweek due to a hamstring problem and was touch and go whether he'd whether he'd make it, which even more emphasises how impressive he, he was on, on Sunday. And yeah, I think when you're looking at unlikely heroes, when you reflect on the last nine months, those two are absolutely right up there because, um, you know, I, th- I think if you're looking at why, big reasons why Liverpool were able to put together this amazing run at the back end of the season, I think... The restoring Fabino to the holding midfield role was was huge in terms of you know improving the balance of the team and also I think unlocking the potential of Tiago who you know, he's been an absolute joy to watch over the last month Tiago having had a really difficult first season which I think that mitigating circumstances for that with the knee injury he suffered and and also when he when he did return he returned to a team that was almost devoid of belief but you know I watch Tiago now and think I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what impact he'll have on the Premier League next season. I think he, I think he'll be a, a PFA Player of the Year contender next season because um, he is, you know, he, he is absolutely elite. But you know, as good as the midfield has been, they, they, they've only been allowed. To, Klopp's only been allowed to do that because he's been able to show such faith and trust in Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, and they've delivered to such an exceptionally high level. So. Um, so yeah, the both both those players deserve immense credit, and um, you know it'd be interesting to see what the future holds for them because I think, you know, I look at Reese Williams and you think you know with the with the centre backs coming back, he probably you'd imagine a loan next season would be ideal for him. You know, probably a football league loan, you know, maybe a, a championship club. I think that would be great for his development because you know, of course, with the players coming back, it's difficult to see him featuring much, and then. No, it's probably a big decision to be made on that Phillips. I hope I hope Phillips stays around. I think he's proved he belongs in the Premier League. And I think you, you just know that you know, the type of character is he, he is. He's not the kind of player that's going to be kicking off if he doesn't play every week. Yeah, it's, it's just a great backstory with Nat Phillips as well. And, you know, so much love for him amongst the fans and amongst, you know, the, the people that work with him on a daily basis. So um, I, I think the only thing that would change that with Nat Phillips is if an offer comes in that, that you know the, the club like the look of, and that and it gives him the chance to to maybe be guaranteed football every week. But no, I think you know both those 
young centre-backs have, have, have covered themselves in glory. Is Nat Phillips the greatest story this season, Si? I've got a feeling he might, it might be in your heart. I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I, I thought when he started playing, he wasn't really going to be up to, up to the mark. And he's grown in confidence, clearly. What surprised me, actually, I, I think he's, he's better on the ball than people give him credit as well, actually. I'd still have a few question marks, you know, around his pace, you know, when when when, when there's somebody really fast, I think, you know, they, they can expose him. For me, I, I think that he could still play a role in Liverpool's future, but a lot of it depends on what the manager decides to do with the existing centre-backs, whether he's decided that Joel Matip, you know, he, he barely plays any football, really, the last two seasons... He's coming up to the age of 30. You know, is he going to keep him on as the fourth choice centre-back or move him on? Because if he's one of the, the four, I think you've got to keep Nat Phillips. If he's not, then that could change things for Nat Phillips. Knowing the sort of, I mean, I don't pretend to know him very well at all, but looking at him from afar, he seems like the sort of footballer who actually, you know, does want to play as well. I, I think that people might think, oh, well, he'll be happy to sit on the sidelines and, and wait for this chance at Liverpool. But footballers with his appetite and the appetite that he's shown tend to, once they've had that experience of being in the first team, will want to play. So I can't imagine that he's going to hang around for too long thinking, well, I'll, I'll just wait for another chance. But he has, yeah, it, I agree, Steve. I think as an individual, as a player, it's definitely one of the stories of the season. I'd say the story of the season from a Liverpool perspective other teams seem to still want to try and sort of expose his deficiencies, but he hasn't, you know, not very often have you seen that. You know, he doesn't seem to get beaten on a one-on-one situation very often, if at all. And I think the one thing that he really does give as well is, is Liverpool um, the, the the sort of a bit more a bit more security at the back in the air than, than they probably had even before that. You know, that maybe in the past that's where you've been able to get at Liverpool, but he, he is so good in the air, particularly from set pieces, Liverpool don't look as likely to concede from corners and, and free kicks anymore. So, yeah, it's he's set an interesting conversation over the summer. Um, one that I think um, is definitely worthy of the debate. And I know a few people might say, well, you know, if, if you want to win things, you, you know, you've got to aim your, your sights a bit higher than him. But I, I personally think that he's earned the right to be in the conversation now because of the consistency that he's shown. He hasn't really had any any bad games at all. And I think when, when you think about the big, for me, the big win of the season was the win at Old Trafford. Um, and he obviously scored an own goal in that game. He, he, he could have caved in in that game very quickly, but he didn't. He actually became, you know, he obviously contributed to one of Liverpool's goals, performed outstandingly well, I thought, against, you know, the sort of opponent that, that might trouble him, you know, the pace that United have got up front. So, He's he's had an excellent season, and you know it's um, it's the sort of thing that I just know Jurgen Klopp will love because he loves those sort of unlikely hero stories. And you know, if he did not perform to the level that he has, Liverpool would not be in the Champions League. Amazing narrative, brilliant! Congratulations to him. Let's go from him to Genie Wijnaldum, Kiva. The, the program notes that Jurgen Klopp wrote about him were nothing short of remarkable. I don't think I've ever seen him. A manager heaped so much praise on one of his players in the programme. He said, a Liverpool legend now and forever. What he's done for the team, I can't sum up. He's the architect of our success. We built this team on his legs, his lungs, his brain and his beautiful heart. 
this this is remarkable. It, it makes us think even more, why on earth is he leaving? Yeah, definitely. I think we all sort of questioned that yesterday. I'm happy to do happy for him to do Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street and just return saying he's not leaving. I think we'd all welcome that. Um, I think he showed yesterday just exactly what he's about. He's a player who, for his, his whole five seasons at Liverpool since he joined from Newcastle, has gone under the radar, like, largely, you know, and he plays with that kind of energy and you always see, like, photos of him and, you know, of him smiling and he's got that energy that you know, kind of like Alberto Moreno in a way, like part of more more than he was a player, he was he was good for the dressing room. Now Ginny is actually, you know, world-class quality player, no offense to, to Moreno, but and he also brings that level to the dressing room as well, that smile, and you know, he's so close with Van Dyke, who's obviously his compatriot and I think he just brings a lot of it together and has done for Liverpool for a long time. You know, there's there's so many famous nights in the last few seasons that Ronaldo's been involved in. Obviously, Barcelona will be the most famous of all. Then there's Middlesbrough to, to get qualified for the Champions League. He's, he's just always been there and been dependable and been one of Klopp's, you know, the first name on the team sheet for a long time. He's just a special player, a special talent who whoever gets him, whether it be Barcelona, Bayern Munich or, you know, They'll be so so lucky to have him. I think. Does it does it make any sense, Kiva, the fact that he is leaving? I mean, look, if the club turned around now and went here's another two three years, does it does he stay? Is he effectively just been offered nothing on the level that he, that he would think is acceptable? I think it's such a tricky one because I don't know exactly what's gone on, but obviously whether it's a, a money issue or whether Liverpool just don't give contracts out to players who are who are getting a little bit older, because that's not the style. We know they sort of changed that a little bit by bringing in Thiago. But I don't know whether you sort of see someone like Curtis Jones this season stepping up and that kind of makes the club go, OK, well, we've got another body in midfield there who can who can do a pretty pretty great job. It's just a, it's a really weird one, isn't it? I don't think any any fans kind of want this this special team to start, you know, leaving. And when Alden very much does, we, we know Sturridge, Lallana, those players have gone from the club. But it does feel like with Wijnaldum, just one one of the special teams now now leaving the club. And how many more? We we will have to say goodbye to all of them at some point. And I just feel like it feels quite poignant that Wijnaldum is the first because he is a player, as I've said, who I think has largely gone under the radar. And every time Klopp was asked about that, he was like, absolutely not. He's 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 not under like the radar with me. Like I know exactly the job he does. And you know, I think. Um, his, his, his best quality is just being able to keep the ball when there's about 50 players around him and he, you know, he, he emerges with it. Any club in the world would want that. You can see why Barcelona's being linked and even Bayern Munich because, you know, they've obviously um, lost Thiago towards last season. He might be thinking they want, want to get someone of his quality on a free as well, which is insane. But yeah, it's whatever's gone on, it, it seems that that was goodbye yesterday and um, he'll, as Klopp said, you know, be, be remembered as a Liverpool legend. Still seems mates with everyone. There was another goodbye to Kitman Carter, Graham Carter. I remember when I first started covering Liverpool, James, I, I used to think, who is this fellow? <laughs> what, what does he do? He was clearly at the heart of, of everything that was going on. He was always around when you went on away trips. Um, he used to drive the coach and then he became the kit man. And he was the brunt of an awful lot of banter. But actually, the, the reality is, you know, that, that sort of personality very much needed with it within the football env- environment. And you could see how much they all loved him with the goodbye yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a lovely moment with the, the Guard of Honour. And, and then a few minutes after that, Klopp actually 
went over to him and and uh, put his arm around him and took him to the cop and uh, and ensured that he, he got a, a lovely moment there in front of front of the cop as well. So um, yeah, I mean, you know the, you know those are the kind of the unsung heroes, aren't they, behind the scenes who do so much to to help on a day to day basis. And he'll be he'll be sorely missed by everyone who's who's worked with him for for so long. And yeah, just just on one album, I, I think I've always felt that he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, probably outside of Liverpool in terms of just how important he's been to the success that he's been part of because I you know I've always thought he, he just absolutely epitomizes the the team ethic that Klopp has created at Liverpool you know you know it's you always get people who are obsessed with stats and data and that you know telling you you know look at his look at his lack of goals look at his lack of assists or whatever or key passes and you're like Anyone who watches football closely will know he is just such an unbelievably important footballer and so gifted. Like I don't think I've ever seen a player so good at using his body to look after the ball. And, and you know, there's three or four moments yesterday again where you know he, his ability to work his way out of difficult situations and to turn what is potentially you know a really awkward position where you could lose possession and the team would be vulnerable into suddenly an attack that leads to a chance. Um, and the other thing with him is just his, you know, his durability. You know, I was looking at 237 games across five seasons. You know, no one has played more football for Klopp since when Aldum came in in that summer of 2016. So, um, so yeah, you know, as, as good as Thiago has been recently, and I'm, you know, he will certainly have a bigger role to play next season. Of course, Henderson coming back, Curtis Jones, as Kiva said, I think he'll have a, you know, he'll obviously have you know a lot more minutes as well. But he will be missed when Aldum. And um, you know, and I think Liverpool may live to regret not not trying to you know come to a, a, a compromise with him because you know it, it did come down to you know both money and the length of the contract. To Liverpool, don't have a you know their policy is not to dish out lucrative extensions to someone over the age of thirty. When Aldum will be thirty-one in November, um, but I just think he's such a special footballer that he'd be worth making an exception for and um, it's a strange situation as well the fact he hasn't got anything else lined up I believe him when he says that because you know usually you know by this stage it would have long since been you know a pre-contract would have been agreed but I think it's awkward for him because as much as you know Kuman wants him at Barcelona how much longer is Kuman going to be there because you know, there's no guarantees with, with that but um, but yeah wherever Wijnaldum ends up um, that club will will get not only a you know a fantastically gifted midfielder but just a brilliant fellow who will enhance the dressing room. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the Red Agenda, your Liverpool podcast with Simon Hughes, James Pierce, Keith O'Neill, myself, Steve Hoversall. If you've uh, been on the athletic site, you'll have seen the sort of the review of the season where various uh, writers have chosen moment of the season, players they were wrong about. Let's quickly go through a few of these. So if, you, if you've read it already, you'll have had a spoiler about Simon's choices and he doesn't conform to the normal narrative on there if you look at some of his answers. No, he doesn't, does he? Um, right, so let's not labour on all these points, but let's start with this one. Best moment of the season, Si? Well, from a Liverpool perspective, it's got to be the Allison goal, hasn't it? But but on that, on that actual piece... 
one of the moments that I I really enjoyed was um, unusually because I've got absolutely no affiliation with the team at all. Probably wouldn't mind if he lost in some ways, but when um, when Manuel Lanzini scored for West Ham in the last minute against Tottenham, I'm being three 0 down, thirty yard strike. Went in and off the crossbar and the post. The reason why I chose that was because so many moments around that time were being defined by VAR. And I thought it was the first moment another team's goal sort of got me on onto my feet. And it was like, wow. And it's not going to be interrupted by VAR because you know what? How can you find something wrong with a goal from thirty yards? So that for me was was a, an incredible goal of the season. I, I would say. Well, I've mm. got to be honest, I haven't really enjoyed this season at all, Steve, on, a, on any level. Right. So, so, you know, trying to summon some enthusiasm for this section of the podcast, you're probably looking at the wrong person. All right, it's, it's Alison for you. Kiva, James, would you um, would you just go along with that? Anything else that would stand out for you? It has to be Alison's header, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was the best single moment since, since Origi from Trent's corner against Barca. You know, you know another moment, Steve. I will say another moment that I, I did enjoy just before Christmas when Firmino scored against Tottenham, and there, was, there were fans inside the ground that night, and he went running down towards the other end of the ground. I thought that that was a, a really a really good moment. But yeah, um, I can't think of too many others to be honest. Which match, Kiva, do you want to rewatch the whole of live? Definitely not that seventy at Villa Park. I don't think, um, but I think probably um, the seven 0 Crystal Palace because. In some regards, it probably didn't get any better for Liverpool. It was this kind of weird ending of like, it was like an anti-climax almost because it didn't get better than that. And they really struggled after that to sort of get performances that smooth and that good. And that was that was Liverpool at their absolute peak under Jurgen Klopp in any season. They were, they were phenomenal that day. So from start to finish, that was probably the most enjoyable game. Although after watching that, I had a terrible migraine and just my whole Saturday was ruined. So... I don't know whether that was some kind of ominous uh, warning sign that it w- wasn't going to get much better than that. But yeah, I think that game was, was just slick. And I think every goal was pretty much a, a goal of the month or indeed season contender, wasn't it? Absolutely. It's seven different assists as well there. What, what about the derby, James? That was all right. Which one? The 2 2. Oh, it was a decent, yeah, it was a decent game. Obviously, not. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to sit through it again, though. I've been watching, watching Liverpool's season disappear before them when Van Dyke limps off early on and. And then Richarlison trying to chop Thiago in half late on. So, um, no, I think it would probably be, in terms of the quality of the football, I think back to, like, I think it was late September when Liverpool beat Arsenal at Anfield. I thought that was, you know, that was obviously before before what happened at, at Villa Park and, and before the loss of Van Dijk and the injuries kicked in. And that was, like, a really impressive, fluent performance against Arsenal at home. And... Um, yeah, back then you were thinking, you know, Liverpool are gonna gonna take some stop in this season, especially with with City's slow start. Who's been the signing of the season, Si? So if we look at the whole of the Premier League, who who is that that player that stood out amongst the rest? Well, I on on my answer because I, I was obviously right, not just from a Liverpool perspective. It was like a general one. I mean, I, this might surprise a few people, but I think Ollie Watkins has been a great signing for, for Aston Villa. Yeah, I know they spent a lot of money on him. But I don't think it was necessarily an easy signing to make because obviously he's making a big step up from the championship. Um, I, I, I think Villa are a really good team. You know, I think they're not far off being a team that, that competes for Europe. Honestly, I think the that's not just because the the wallop to Liverpool. I've seen them quite a few times. They're very strong at the back. Uh, they've got that grit in midfield as well as the creativity. Fast, wide players. 
And last season, I think what they really did miss was that centre forward, and he's made them a much better team. Um, you know, just I just think in terms of it's not necessarily about him; it's more what he's done for the team, if that makes sense. You know, and they, they, they look a, a much stronger team, and I'd expect them if they keep the group of players that they've got together. I, th- I think they'll do well and do better again next season. All right, and we'll finish off with team you were most wrong about, Kiva. Probably. Newcastle, I think, at the Echo. I think last season when we done like a, a preview just before I joined the Athletic, I think I'd done Newcastle as like surprise bag. And obviously, I mean, their struggles have been pretty much on the wall. So I definitely got that one wrong. So maybe a bit of Newcastle, maybe West Ham. Got to be West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought, especially when, wasn't it, wasn't it before a board even been kicked? You had, um, there was infighting, wasn't there? Over them, they, they, they sold a, like a talented young academy player and a few of their players were, I'm sure we talked about that on the pod, saying West Ham seem to be surpassing themselves by having a crisis before a ball's even been kicked this season. I think you have to give Moyes a, a lot of credit for what he's done there. I think Leeds as well. You know, I thought they would do all right, Leeds, but I didn't think they'd be top half of the table because that is impressive. You know, coming up from the Championship and 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 playing the way they do. You know, high risk, high reward to to get as as many points as they did. And you know, they even finished above Everton, who you know, when you look back to to September time, there was talk about Everton being potential title contenders, wasn't there, Steve? Well, the, well, I mentioned this on the pod, didn't I? And Simon was aghast that, that I could even throw that question towards. I, him. I thought James handled that hand grenade particularly well. One of the infa- infamous moments of the podcast. Yeah. Well, even, even when you go back to February, and Liverpool obviously were absolutely abject in losing at home to Everton for the first time this century. You know, there was a a lot of talk about a power shift. And um, so, yeah, to finish, what, seven seven places above them and, um, you know, 10 points better off is, uh, yeah, some turnaround. Can I just say one thing about Leeds, Steve, which I think really does reflect well on Bielsa? I noticed somebody commented yesterday, the team that he included, that he named, or sorry, the squad that he named for the final game of the Premier League season included 10 players who played in his first game when he was manager in the championship against Stoke. So I know they've obviously they've signed a few players last summer. You know, Rafinha has obviously done very well. But it shows you the job that he's done as a manager, you know, that he has managed to get a lot of players who played either championship football or below and haven't really done much in the careers and take them into the top half of the Premier League. I think, you know, when, when you have a debate about Bielsa and his impact on football clubs, I think that shows you just what he can do. I think as well, they were the, the lowest amount of players used, 23 players, and they're the highest for running and everything, like pressing everything physical, they're the highest. So I think let's just turn this into the Leeds podcast from, from now on. We can just talk about Bielsa. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 
post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become The Athletic's England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight Euros. Elsewhere, Michael Cox's Zonal Marking Pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games, while Adam Hurry's Football Clichés show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines. So, as this never-ending domestic season finally draws to a close, we'll have plenty of Euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks' time. A final thought before James talks about his Trent piece, but um, predictions for for the next campaign and the impact of supporters returning uh, for Liverpool. Si, it's going to make a massive difference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I think Liverpool have got to try, you know, again, it's got to be a title challenge of some sort. I mean, for all the talk about Liverpool's dreadful season, um, other teams having the best seasons, I mean, Man United finished five points above Liverpool. Uh, For me, you know, I think if Liverpool don't get the injury to Van Dijk, I think Liverpool finish above Man United. It's as simple as that. Uh, I think they're possibly a lot closer to Man City as well. Um, I actually think the Man City team of two, three seasons ago was stronger than this one. They're obviously going through a bit of a a bit of a transition similar to Liverpool, and that Sergio Aguero is going, who's you know been one of the best Premier League strikers ever. Finding the replacement for him is going to be interesting. If they signed Erling Haaland, you've got to make them title favourites or, or Harry Kane straight away. But I think Liverpool will be closer next season to, to, to City and they'll perform better in the Champions League. So that's what you want. You want a title challenge that takes you into the last month of the season at least and a season where you're competing at the latter stages of the Champions League. So long as that happens and the interest spans the whole of the season... I just think, you know, supporters are more or less always going to be happy. I think it's when the season sort of tails off in February, March, even January, that, that that's when attitudes turn against managers. But Klopp, to his credit, you know, incredibly, each season he's been in charge, the last game of the season has matters. If he can keep that up, he's going to be, you know, popular for, for a very long time. Fingers crossed for, for something special. Uh, look, James, you've had an exclusive chat with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, we're recording this podcast before the um, the England squad announcement, so we don't know the result of that. But v- very much the conversation you've had is whether he can avoid the noise that exists around him these days. Yeah, I think it was it, it was a, it was an interview organised through BT, so it had to be kind of structured around the issue of online debate and online abuse which has obviously been very topical in recent months with the, the boycott that, that players and cl- clubs 
all signed up to. But uh, yeah, it was interesting him talking about how, you know, over what is it, the last three or four years since he made his breakthrough, you know, you develop a thick skin in terms of becoming almost immune to the noise that goes on. He said, you know, you can't get away from it. It's all over social media. It's all over the TV, Monday night football match of the day, the radio phone-ins in terms of questioning whether whether he should be or shouldn't be going to the Euros and, you know, every mistake pounced on as proof that Southgate's right. Every, you know, moment of brilliance pounced on as proof that that Southgate is completely wrong, even even thinking about leaving him out. But yeah, it was it was good to have a chat. He was in great spirits. And I think um, you know, he can be very proud of the way that he finished the season. You know, I think if he is left out of the Euro squad, I think that says a lot more about Southgate and his bizarre priorities as a manager and and tactically than it does about Trent, because he, he's without a shadow of a doubt the most talented and most complete right back that England has produced for a long, long time. And, you know, it's, I think it's hard to, well, I find it hard to believe it's, there isn't, there is even a debate there. So we talked about that. We also talked about the BT new initiative this summer called Hope United, where they've got a lot of players from across the home nations to sign up to try and combat this, you know, this scourge of, of online hate whether it's, you know, racism, sexism, you know, the, the homophobic abuse that goes on as well. And Trent talking about how the Liverpool players, you know, they, they do talk about it in the dressing room, what they're, what they are subjected to at different times, talking about how the racism he suffered has hurt and upset his family and calling upon the social media companies to do a hell of a lot more to, to pay, basically hold people to account and to punish those who, who persist in these, um, you know, despicable comments online. So, um, yeah, really good to have a, a chat with Trent. And, um, yeah, hopefully the, the campaign that he's supporting will will bring about some important changes that need to be made. Check out the piece now. And we're also recording this before the Youth Cup final, which I know, Kiwi, well, not just yourself, Kiva, but you, you've had a special sort of interest following the, the team this season. It, it could be a... A remarkable achievement. We've seen past Youth Cup winning sides from Liverpool. Some of the players go on to have excellent careers. Um, we're obviously hopeful it's this evening, so we don't know what's going to happen, but it's been a great story. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to be ending the season with a little bit of silverware and a comment from the under-18s, you know, no one would have really probably expected that in some ways everyone had Liverpool nailed on for the title and you know that hasn't quite come so you know the last game of the season for the club is um you know Liverpool potentially winning the fifth uh, FA Youth Cup which will be I think a marvellous achievement for the club and for Mark Bridge Wilkinson and his, his side of you know so many talented young players and we know that you know all the academy players aren't going to make it but you know tonight they could make history for Liverpool and I think that's that's more important than anything. Guys, you've been brilliant. Just like the first team, we've stumbled over the line. Si, you must be relieved. The last red agenda of the season. I don't know what you're so much, Steve. I, I, I came on this show, <laughs> especially today, despite uh, tooth extraction this morning. And I would like to think it performed reasonably well in such difficult you've circumstances. You've gone above and beyond, haven't you? In the face of adversity, you've turned up for the final yeah. show. He's a mentality people, monster. People keep saying to me, I bet you're amazed. The season's over. It's like, have you forgotten about the European Championships, which is going to last five weeks um so my, my focus has shifted towards that already in terms of a work work patterns um i know james, james has got a lot of time off hasn't he i'm not sure whether he deserves it but um. <laughs> so i will miss your positivity for the next uh, eight weeks <laughs> kiva you've been exceptional thank you very much indeed uh kiva james so i thank you very much for everyone for listening to the uh, the red agenda wherever you are 
uh, in the world. We always love to receive any messages or feedback on it. It's great and a privilege to be able to talk about Liverpool and um, for everyone out there to respond to that. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and it will return at the start of next season. Goodbye. The Athletic.